Welcome back to Apologetics for Tweens. I'm Tom Griffin. In this episode, we're going to investigate another of those controversial topics that causes Christians to get upset and also for some of them to have doubt when they encounter uh, the science claims. We're going to address the question, are we descended from apes? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for all your blessings. I pray that all those who need to learn more about the evidence you've left for us to discover you and know you better will be led to the sources for this knowledge and will find the truth, believe in you, and maintain that belief for life. Amen. In the neo-Darwinian theory of evolution, all living species are created eventually from a one-celled living organism that was created somehow but science has not yet discovered a satisfying answer to how. As you advance along the different species over time, life evolved from the water to amphibians, to reptiles, to birds and animals, and finally mammals and humans. Humans are categorized under a structure based on the theory of evolution and called Homo sapiens, part of a larger group of ape-like creatures that walked upright on two feet, called homo, or hominin. There are many aspects of this idea that could be discussed, uh, but many of my younger students seem to ask the question, if we're descended from apes, then why are there still apes around? This is a simple misunderstanding that we should clear up before we advance this discussion. Darwinian evolution does not claim that apes reproduced and a human was formed and then apes went extinct. The theory is much more layered than that and supposedly takes hundreds of thousands of years up to millions of years from an ape-like creature before man finally arrives on the scene. Let's see how this supposedly works and then discuss some of the challenges and alternatives and another theory that somehow melds the idea of Adam and Eve as creations, yet maintains the theory of evolution. Anthropology, which is the study of human life, claims that there is a common ancestor of both humans and chimpanzees that was an ape-like creature within the homo category. It walked upright on two feet. A common ancestor means there was some ape-like creature that reproduced, and over time, some of those offspring had changes that eventually resulted in chimpanzees, and that others had changes that resulted in Neanderthals, and others in Homo sapiens, in other words, humans. Before we establish some of the challenges to this idea and an alternative, let's discuss a few key things that make us different as a human as opposed to an ape or chimpanzee or any of those other relatives. First, and not necessarily in this a particular order, advanced toolmaking, such as sharpened long spears to throw in hunting, hammer-like substances, even making fires, and many other of these types of creative tools and inventions. Symbolic communication, and this can be any form of language or drawing. Then a voice box, 
this is a unique structure that allows us to utter certain kinds of sounds. Brain size. Generally, the larger in proportion to the body, the more intelligence that that creature has. Self-awareness and consciousness. And problem solving and reasoning. These are just some of the key traits that separate humans from all the other living creatures. Let's look at what the fossil record shows. Keep in mind that the fossils preserved for the homo category are often just small portions of jawbones and skulls. Rarely is there much more. So much creative artistry goes into what they believe the creatures actually looked like and whether they are part of one category of creatures or another. Much of this is still an educated guess, and again, based on the theory that evolution is correct. So they then assume they know where a certain creature positions itself in the supposed lineage of all creatures, and mainly uh, by similar body structure. This positioning of what living creatures go where they go um, is mainly based on morphology, uh, which is uh, a body structure or a body plan. Yet ancestry ties mainly are only verified through soft tissue and DNA, but those don't remain usually after long periods of time. Only fossils remain. So much of this categorization, again, is based on the theory of evolution and similar body structures. Those assumptions then allow them to claim where certain fossils fit in the ancestor and offspring of in the ancestry and offspring of all living organisms. Next, I'm not aware that any common ancestor of any particular kind of animal or creature has been verified with certainty. They're all based on the assumptions of evolution and trying to guess where the lineage is based on body parts. There's no common ancestor discovered and verified for Homo sapiens other than one that is assumed to have lived and was the ancestor of chimps, yet to be determined, uh, but also Neanderthals and humans. The key word there is assumption. Until the last 20 years or so, it was believed that Neanderthals and Homo sapiens were actually separate species, and that about 50,000 years ago or so, Neanderthals went extinct and Homo sapiens came on the scene. More recently, the discovery that a good percentage of Europeans have a small amount of Neanderthal DNA in their genetic structure has led to new theories about Homo sapiens crossbreeding with Neanderthals and whether the resultant offspring are human or not. We'll discuss this further in a next episode. The ability for Homo sapiens to create cave art, advanced spears and other tools, and a distinctly different larynx, which is our voice box, separate our species from the others. For the voice box in particular, which creates the sounds that develop into a spoken language, it's hard to reconcile the fact there is no prior ancestor identified that had a sufficient voice box 
to generate spoken language other than a few sounds and utterances. Where did this sudden capability come from? But it's assumed there must have been one. Still, Homo sapiens alone are in this category with that type of voice box capability, particularly in the way vowels are able to be formed and utilized. As far as similar body structures, this just isn't particularly convincing to me. First, you can have many different makes of cars under different major brand names, and that doesn't mean they're related. It merely shows that there's a common design or structure that work best fundamentally for all of them. And that brings us to the Christian evangelical belief that God used DNA as a common design mechanism for the creation of all living species. This is just as much a possibility, and more likely in my opinion, than the theory of evolution. God created all the species using DNA as a common design. The idea of natural selection using random mutations to create all living species has insufficient proof, many holes, and mutations rarely ever create a beneficial function, let alone an entirely new body plan. Scientists involved with population genetics, that's the search for where humans began, use computer modeling to analyze whether it's possible that all humans are descendants of an original male and female. So assumptions have to be made before a computer model can be generated, and the assumptions could be wrong, and it's certainly not infallible. Anyway, they conclude that the population must have been at least 10,000 or so initially, and as a result, they reject the Bible claim that Adam and Eve were the originators of the human species. However, this model has many challenges recently and other evidence, such as backtracking mutations assumed to have similar patterns and timeframes between generations, and has been forwarded by scientists such as John Sanford, shows our ancestry indeed tracks to a single male and single female. The controversy continues. Finally, there are some scientists who are Christians, but still believe in Darwinian evolution. They developed a theory generally called theistic evolution that basically says God used evolution as his mechanism to create all the species. This allows them to keep their reputations in the scientific community in support of evolution, but also to maintain their belief in God. It does, however, still require some modified thinking about how Adam was created from dust, for example, and still assumes, of course, that Darwinian evolution is true. Join us next time as we overview some new controversies about Adam brought forth in Christian philosopher William Lane Craig's recent book, In Quest of the Historical Adam. Take care, everyone. Thank you.